You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Welcome to the Making Data Simple podcast. Appreciate you being here. And let me start with this. Mr. Michael Sestek, how did you find a way onto my podcast? That's my first question for you. <laughs> Al, thank you very much for the invitation, first of all. <laughs> it is awesome working with you at IBM. Let me first say that. You're one of the managers that I am always graced to work with uh, each week. It's always a pleasure, and I'm actually very honored that you've asked me on your program. You realize this is the Making Data Simple podcast and not the Make Al Look Foolish podcast. I, got <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. Al, uh, your videos at IBM have become the most popular ones of anyone out there, and it's because you're not afraid to be natural on camera. What the listeners don't know about Michael says, well, let me back up. Let me, well, why don't you tell the audience what you do, and we'll start from there. Sure. Well, I've been working with video and audio for at least the past 20 years. began my career as a network administrator in Dallas, Texas for Valtech, a company based in France. And I worked and traveled a lot, and it was exciting. But you know what? I always dreamed of doing creative stuff. So that's what I'm doing now at IBM. I'm, I'm doing creative multimedia work. So yeah, so that, that hence the title creative media director. Here, right, here right, right. Now. Everybody's dealing in some way, in some capacity with their jobs today using technology. But I always thought if you could marry creativity to the technology, then you'd have like the best of both worlds. I remember back in my youth doing these writing assignments, creative writing, and there were these take the wheel assignments that I was given where you would have to be given the first paragraph of a story and it was your responsibility as the writer to finish it. And I was always in awe over this because I thought, wow, I have so much power because I can take the story in any direction I want. And then when I was a teenager, I got my first camcorder and I started taking videos with the family and friends and carefully directing each scene and then piecing it together. You could start from a blank slate and create something that did not exist before. And it would have your creativity, your signature on it. That was just a remarkable thing to me. And I feel so excited that I'm actually able to do this full time at IBM. So I, that's good. I am, I am too. I got a few comments on that. By the way, I can tell that you're in the media because you sound the clearest of any guest I think I've had on. So I know you're sitting in your uh, your layer with uh, nice mics and everything else like that, which makes you sound good. Anyway, um, <laughs> good to see you. But uh, I think you tried all try all your weird ideas on me. Do you not? I mean, like if I if I look down go down the list, you know, even to the point, you know, I've got a Slack picture that I put out there that's photoshopped that uh, you pressured me into putting out there. Um, and, and I believe you're using the one without the the earrings and the lip ring. I, yeah. Yes, I decided to go with that. I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit professional, just a little bit. Right. In, in the videos, we've done some uh, thank you notes, like the Jimmy Fallon thanks you, thank you That's notes. That's right. It's all the crazy stuff that happens at work, and you make fun of yourself, which I think lightens the mood. But it's not all fun and games. We've, uh, you know, I still work with you. We do weekly, bi-weekly, 15-minute strategy discussions to the team. 
Yes. Uh, you do all hands videos. Then you also work with clients. We do client references and, and strategic or, or presentation strategy pitches. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to say, um, before you came along, I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't know why we would need any media director. Uh, right. In fact, I still today I talk to colleagues or, or that are that lead other companies that run other companies. They're saying, oh, we can't afford that. And and now I'll be honest with you. Since you came along, I honestly don't know how you can afford not to have it, given the communication, the level of engagement, et cetera, that you drive. I don't know. There, there's. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have some fun with you. And this is my turn to have fun with you on this podcast. But I got to give you some credit right off the the top because you've really changed some of the culture. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Al. You're too kind. One of the reasons why I love working with you on these projects is because. You're not afraid after I get you comfortable. <laughs> You're not yeah. afraid to kind of put yourself out there and be natural. And, and that's hard to do. You know, sometimes I tell people, hey, let's, let's loosen up. Remember, I, I had you jogging in the room once just to get you kind of loosened up, get you some, get you some energy, you know, and some excitement. And sometimes people feel like they have to be really stiff and serious on camera. But actually, nothing could be further from the truth. It's important for people to be able to relate to you as an individual. And, and one of the ways that people relate to you is to show that human side, to show that you're not just a big, scary executive and that you're a human being just like anybody else. You can laugh, you can smile, you can tell a joke. And when you do that, it, it helps you to be approachable. And I think that's one of the powers that multimedia has in an organization, especially when you're dealing with a large organization like IBM, where we have thousands and thousands of people, and it's impossible to shake every one of their hands and get to know them on an individual basis. So one of the ways you can do that is by uh, putting yourself out there in the video content and helping people to learn more about you and helping to communicate your message to them in a digital way. And so that's where the power is today. And I just think it's, it's really fun. Not all executives... <laughs> feel as comfortable as you do on camera. But I think the reason why you do what you do is because you trust me to make sure that the final product that I release is going to actually be good. You know, it's going to make you look good in the end, even uh, if it is a little silly. <laughs> well, I do. I do trust you, but I, I keep get this sneaking feeling that someday I'm going to look on YouTube and there's going to be all the <laughs> done. And, and you're going to be making a huge amount of money, uh, cash over all those. <laughs> never. I would never betray our trust. Never. I, I, no, I, I, I do trust you. The thing I like about it is, is like you can write things down. And I still do it. I still do blogs, et cetera. There's something different when you do like a 15-minute strategy discussion, something that can be easily consumed. Everybody's so freaking busy right now. Phones, yeah. you know, uh, interrupting their day, et cetera. So 15 minutes, if you can get that, you can drive a heightened level of engagement. But so let me ask you this. You've got a unique role at IBM that, as we talked about, creative media director. How do you describe your role? And before, as you're, as you're getting ready to answer that, you know, if, if I look along your history or your previous role was engagement manager, before that you were a program manager of talent, you, you did project management at Script Pro, and you, you've got a degree in human resource management. Is what you do really about engagement? I mean, that seems like a theme of engagement. Yeah. It's interesting. I actually entered IBM in a people operations role doing recruitment and onboarding. And it was funny because at the time I didn't really know how this particular job role would benefit my ultimate career path. But at the time I was just so honored 
to have the opportunity to work for a Fortune 100 company like IBM, really one of the greatest technology companies in American history, spanning an entire century. I mean, IBM was founded in 1911. IBM computers put astronauts on the moon. They even invented the UPC code, which is still in use today. The floppy disk, hard drives, the database, memory, and even LASIK eye surgery was invented by IBM, something that has impacted the lives of millions, including myself. I had LASIK surgery back in 2000 and um, what year was it? 2007. And it was one of the best things I ever did. I hated wearing glasses. And I had no idea at the time that I had IBM to thank for that invention. <laughs> so, you know, I started at IBM in 2015 and I enjoyed the, the social people aspect of the job um, working in a, in a field related to HR. But I was still missing that creative side of things that I had always longed for. And I remember I had finished my second year at IBM and it was an end of year review with my manager. And she says, what would you like to do to grow your career? And, and how would you like to develop yourself? And I was really honest with her. And I just said, I really wish I could move into a creative role at IBM. She took my idea and she took it to her manager. And within less than 30 days, my wish was granted. And they offered me an opportunity to segue into a multimedia role. I didn't know it at the time, but one of our executives in the analytics space had gotten a little bit tired of paying these exorbitant fees to third-party vendors for anything he wanted to do with video and audio. And if you could see some of the price tags on these things, you'd just your jaw would hit the floor when you see what we pay for some of this stuff. And so his solution at the time was, well, maybe we'll just cut back on video. But we had another person, his name is uh, Joe Schutzman, who said, well, why don't we Instead of cutting back on video, which is the future, why don't we just hire a team internal to IBM that can do all of this stuff for us without nickel and diming us with every project we want to do? And so that's kind of what gave rise to my role in the analytics space. How do you measure success in that role right now? Then? Seeing how many people have eyes on what I'm doing, um, seeing how many people I'm able to touch and impact with the content I'm creating. And so it's really remarkable when I create a demo content that is seen by thousands of people once it gets disseminated at a think conference or when something I've made, I'm told by the developers that my product was used in sales negotiations with another client who has decided to purchase our product because of something I made. And that is extremely fulfilling to me to know that I was instrumental in helping that move forward. And so that's kind of how I judge my impact. It's, it's amazing to see people's reactions to the content that's created. And I think you can really build engagement that way. So do you measure yourself also through engagement marks? Like, by example, here at IBM, we do an engagement survey. And that, by the way, that was a great infomercial you had on IBM just a minute ago. We'll have to cut that, maybe put, put that out by itself. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, Sorry, not intentional. That's all right, that's all right. You you could like IBM here. That's that's a lot. <laughs> so so, but uh, I mean, so do you look at engagement marks to make you know and see if they're heading in the right direction, and and then pride yourself on that, take action accordingly, or course correction in terms of how you drive communications and, and what we use in media, etc. 
one of the things that's helped in that regard is uh, using a unified platform for content uploads and disseminating that content on Ustream. And IBM acquired Ustream a few years back, and since that time, we've rolled it out internally to many of our business units. And ultimately, that's really helped me do my job better because it creates a single repository that's very user-friendly for me to upload my content, auto-captioning capability. It has the ability for me to share the content. Also, it has analytics built in so I can see how many people are watching it. And then it also gives me opportunities to do live streaming, which is a significant part of my role here at IBM. By the way, I got to say this. When I looked at your LinkedIn post, I know that you got a degree in human resource management and you had a 3.9 GPA. You, could, you couldn't make it a 4.0? I, I blame my, uh, my kids for that. <laughs> you too, too, many, too many late nights. <laughs> Yeah, right. People don't know how many kids you have these days. You, you're, you, you haven't figured out what causes that problem. How many kids do you have? I haven't. No, no. I, am, I'm, I need to look up a YouTube video on that or something. Uh, <laughs> I've got five kids. Yeah, ages uh, nine, let's see, nine, seven, five, three, and two. They're the cause of the point one. <laughs> they are. I blame that completely on them. <laughs> exactly. Right. Good, good. If I'm a, a company, when should I be thinking about a creative media person like yourself or director like yourself. On the one hand, I, I've got a lot of friends that, or a few friends that have startups or small businesses. And, and again, they're some of the folks, and you can understand why they'd say this, hey, I can't afford something like that, your IBM or whatever the case may be, which is, I don't think they understand the, uh, the expense controls we're, we're under. Most of these startups, though, they are all in on, you know, media, trying to get their message out, trying to different forms of like social media, trying to get videos out, trying to make sure they have a website that's noticeable. And all I can think of, when should you be thinking about, hey, I need to get somebody in here to do this for me? You're right. Every single company today, large or small, needs video to get their message out. That's the future. Um, the majority of content today is being digested on platforms like YouTube. It's the future. And so you can't get away from it. And so you might as well come to terms with the fact that this is going to be a major part of your business strategy moving forward. And if you don't have a budget for it, then your marketing department is going to suffer for that. One of the things a company needs to consider is, are they looking for a one-off video that they need to get done for 2019? Or do they want continuous video content for internal and external purposes to be created? If this is a continuing thing they want to see for their company, then they really need to hire someone internal to do that work for them. Um, they should not look at that as something that they can hire out each time. It, it's too costly. Um, but if it is a single video, yeah, you, an external agency might be the way to go if they're looking for uh, a one-off project and they don't want to have to worry about hiring someone. Here's the thing. You don't have to be the world's leading expert in video in order to create video content. The tools are out there for everyone to use and the tutorials are out there for free. I mean, think about it. Back in the day, in the, in the 80s and 90s, when you needed help, You'd have to call, uh, you know, a tip line or you'd have to call a helpline or you'd have to, you know, order something from a Sears catalog in order to get it at your doorstep and learn about it or, or buy a, an expensive textbook for $200. Today, everything you want to learn is at your fingertips 
in a YouTube video. If you're really interested in learning about it and getting hands-on information, it's there. It's all free. So much information is free today. Anybody can become an expert if they really take the time to sit down and do the work. It's kind of like when you and I discuss stock every so often or stock picks or otherwise. Yeah. You know, about 15, 20 years ago, to get inside information, go into publications, join you know, different groups or otherwise, it costs a freaking ton of money. Now you got this thing called the Internet. And you can get all the, the cash flow analysis, et cetera, that you need. It's kind of ubiquitous. And now you just have to subscribe to Phil Towns' YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I'm I'm with you there. So you talk. I talked to a few areas of the content that you do produce. Are there other areas that uh, I missed? What, what do you spend most of your time working on? I do a fair bit of both internal executive communications, but I also do external video content. And so that could be marketing material. It could be doing reviews of various sites or labs inside IBM, covering what they're doing at the lab, doing demo content with some of our latest technology, our latest product, and really anything that comes my way. I've gotten used to always just saying yes. There's nothing in the four years I've been at IBM that I have ever turned down and said no to. You look at a project and say, well, that's not really in my job description. That's not really my forte. If it's not my forte, then I'm going to make it my forte. I'll learn about it. You know, it's not to say that I always know the answer right off the bat. I don't. But if I'm given a project to do, then I'm going to also make it my priority to learn what I need to learn in order to effectively complete the project by saying yes to everything. You become a jack of all trades. You become a well-rounded individual who knows a little bit about everything. That's so important. And here's one of the reasons why. One of the things I, I quickly learned, you would have some people who would know a little bit about audio editing, or you would have some people that would know a little bit about digital design and Photoshop and Illustrator, and maybe some people that would know a little bit about editing video content. And then there'd be other people that were experts in the actual hardware, camera and video hardware. But very rarely did I ever come across someone who knew all of it, who you could literally go to with anything and they could do it. I wanted to be that person that someone could go to for almost anything. And I could say, I can do that. No problem. Well, I can tell you, I don't even think about it. I just go to you with anything that comes to mind because I think you're the expert. Hey, what material and formats of communication, particularly if you're dealing with a worldwide audience, work best? From a multimedia standpoint? Communication. I mean, just in general, but I think that's going to lead us right to multimedia and different methods. Like, again, it goes back to we are so freaking distracted. So how do you get people to lift their heads up? For, for 5, 10, 15 minutes to be able to get alignment and engagement across an organization. One of the things that is important is social media. See, it kills me to say that because social media is the answer to what you're asking for there because it's the way to really communicate with a large swath of audience. But at the same time, and you know, we've got our own social media internal to IBM and, and everybody uses this in many businesses called Slack. But at the same time, it's like, while Slack is wonderful, Slack is also horrible, right? Because it's got its tentacles into every one of our lives. And so you mentioned something interesting, Al, when you said how everyone's so distracted. Two books by Cal Newport, uh, one is called Deep Work and the other is Digital Minimalism. And the idea behind his works were how to optimize your life 
by filtering out all of the noise in the world. And it's important because what can happen today is that you wind up working really hard, right? But you're, but you're actually just spinning your wheels. And the hours of the day are ticking by faster and faster and faster, but you're still in the same position. You're not actually moving forward. You're, you're thrashing the water, right? But not moving. And I think that can happen in an age of, of social media where everything is beeping and buzzing and you're responding in an agile way to everything instantly, right? But at the same time, by the time your head hits the pillow at night and you think, what did I actually accomplish today? Sometimes it can be hard to determine. It's important to master hard things. And so don't just, don't just learn things at a surface level, but master them. And the only way you can actually master them at an elite level is to focus. He would always say that high-quality work produced is like an equation. It equals time spent times your intensity of focus. You can spend an enormous amount of time and hours and days and weeks, but if your intensity of focus is very minimal, is superficial, then you're actually not creating high-quality work. And that's important to remember, uh, the, the idea that the ability to concentrate intensely, it's a skill that, that needs to be trained. It's like a muscle. In answer to your question there, it's kind of multifaceted. At the same time, in order to communicate effectively, you need social media, but at the same time, I feel like it's killing us. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, it's a necessary evil. I mean, for me, this is what I found, and you're welcome after I say this to critique or add to it. We still do all hands, but uh, we, I've kept those to a minimum right. and really work to, to you know, record the videos that, that you and I record on, on strategy. So I hit it you know, very pointed. I'll invite people in. We'll talk about the business, where we're going, where we're at, current state, desired state, that kind of stuff. And my goal is usually around 15 minutes or less. You know, I've obviously got this pod, podcast to, to help, um, you know, help me learn while also uh, hopefully educating uh, the community about various aspects of, of, of technology. Um, then there's LinkedIn and, and Twitter. Those are usually my four areas that I push information, gather information, et cetera. Unlike the kids and my kids, uh, I'm not addicted to it or anything. I don't. I actually, I do have a Facebook page, but I can't remember the last time I went out there on it. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm not consumed with it. I may be the exception, but those are the four areas. Is there another area that you think that uh, is you're working with other execs or, or you think it could be missing or we should explore? Microsoft's done a phenomenal job of really exploiting their acquisition there. The recent things that's come to LinkedIn, video content has recently come to LinkedIn within the last year. And if you're familiar with LinkedIn lately, it's being flooded now with video content. Um, I don't know what comes after video, but certainly in the foreseeable future, video is where it's at. And I've also seen that while at the same time, you do have videos that are very popular on YouTube that are an hour long, and they deal with very uh, heady, concentrated content, sometimes philosophy and sometimes education. Um, when it comes to other content, you see sometimes the corporate videos, they need to be shorter and shorter and shorter in order to get their point across. 
um, you know, content that used to be five minutes is three minutes. Content that used to be three minutes is now one minute because um, people are so consumed with media today that it's actually harder to get your voice heard. And so I think it's important to realize that um, as a videographer or someone in, in any kind of uh, the multimedia space, you need to get to the point quickly. Otherwise, people aren't going to get past the first five seconds without clicking off of your message. So a couple comments there. One is it sounds like what I need to do a better job of, and I'm, I'm there, but I'm not there, and that is YouTube. I could probably do a better job of some of the videos and pushing that content out. My team does it. Don't get me wrong in our products, et cetera, but there may be something I could do there. Secondly, if I'm doing strategy videos internal to IBM for great engagement and alignment, what do you think the optimal time is that you capture concerted focus with the audience uh, versus starting to lose them? Do you, is, there, is there a magic time frame? That's a good question. I think the moment your average person in the audience detects that this is a corporate video or the idea that you're trying to sell something or that this is focused on a new product that you want to sell, they click off. The reason for that is, is because there's already so much advertising. People are swimming, drowning in advertising today. The last thing they want to do is watch more voluntary advertising where they click on it and watch a corporate video where they're trying to covertly sell you something, right? And so the best videos from uh, that a business can do are things that actually interest real people. You think about it. You've got children. What could you create that your own children would want to watch? And if you're able to do that, then you're able to build an audience. You're able to build a fan base. And if you can do that indirectly, you're getting them interested in your employer and the products that you represent. When I do a, a video, I need to say, will my kid watch this? In some ways, I would say that's true. You have to not assume that everyone watching your video is technical. Not everyone's a developer. Not everyone is from Silicon Valley. And you have to first figure out, who is my audience? Who do I want to watch this? Because if you're actually trying to build a very cosmopolitan fan base, then you really need to appeal to a wide variety of people. And if that's your goal, then you're going to have to completely change the kind of content you're producing and give people something that they value. Do you think you can be an industry influencer today without using social media? You don't have to be in the technical sphere in order to still influence thought and influence people. Uh, but if you want to expand your audience at an exponential rate, then technology is the best way to do that. You know, because it's, it's one thing, you know, I, I mentor a lot of folks, as you might imagine, and they want to be experts in their field. And I tell you what, a lot of the feedback that I give, I mean, there's a lot of different things I give, but uh, I, I find that um, those that are struggling to be an industry expert also have no presence in social media. And I said, look, you know, I don't see you out here. If I, if I, if I Google you, you, you're not anywhere to be found. And whether you're Richard, Richard Branson uh, whether you're Bezos, whether you're, uh, you're um, the president of the United States, they're yes. leveraging that for, for influence. It, yes. seems like, it seems like it's a, it's a, it's a no-choice to some end. What you're seeing, Al, is sometimes people want to do it the old-fashioned way, the organic way, the off-the-grid way. 
because they're a little fearful of their digital footprint and, and what will become of it in time. And so you have people on both sides of the fence, people that have an immense social media presence where everything is at, you know, like the Gary Vaynerchuks of the world. Um, But then on the other side, you have people that say, no, I'm going to go the old fashioned way and I'm not going to put my entire life story out for people's public consumption on Facebook. Getting people to do that, I think everybody knows that it's the fastest elevator to get notoriety and recognition. But not everybody is comfortable going that route. Well, I tell you what, I was uncomfortable at first, but uh, then I thought, you know, look, I'm not that interesting. <laughs> I, I don't understand. You know, I mean, 20, 40 years from now, I'll look back and go, boy, damn, was I boring. I, I worked a lot, and maybe, you know, I knew a lot about a few subjects, but uh, that's it. I don't know what, what else they would they would find about me. But uh, right. you know, I guess I could be surprised. So where can people find out more about you, what you're working on, that kind of stuff? They want to get in t- a contact or they have questions. Uh, always available at IBM. My contact information's on LinkedIn. And uh, a lot of my work ultimately will appear on our IBM Analytics YouTube page. It's important to always have role models. My personal role model when it comes to videography was um, Philip Bloom, the British filmmaker. Uh, who he's done tons of work with Lucasfilm, Discovery Channel, and the BBC. He actually teaches a cinematic masterclass. Have you ever seen, Al, these masterclasses that you can watch? You know, Chef Ramsay has them for cooking. They've got them for everything, right? Philip Bloom does one that's a cinematic masterclass. I highly recommend it to people if they are interested in learning more about the ins and outs of of photography and, and videography. It's just fascinating to watch how a professional like him does his trade. And then you realize that half, at least half of what he's doing, if not more, are things that you can do too. And you stand on the shoulders of experts by doing that. And I would just highly encourage people to not be intimidated by the enormity of professional content that's out there. Everyone has to start somewhere and you can do it with an iPhone and you can do it with basic tools. You want to edit audio? There's free programs out there like Audacity that are downloadable for free and they have just as much power as Adobe Audition or Logic Pro X. Um, You want to start editing video and don't want to spend the money right away for Adobe Premiere and Final Cut Pro 10. That's fine. You can start with the pre-installed iMovie on your Mac and, and begin editing video today. You know, you can start with home videos of family and friends and then work your way up. You'd be surprised how fast you can advance in the field. I think that's a good way to uh, wrap this up, but I've got to do the lightning round with you real quick. Sure. Uh, and um, for you, the rules are there are no rules, and this is where I get back <laughs> I'm going to try out some of the craziest questions I've asked or ever asked because it's fitting for you given the crazy stuff that you make me do on a regular basis. I'll start out easy, but I'm going to to ask you some good ones. Let's see if we can get to know Michael Sestick in the lightning round with some good questions. All right. See, I'll start out easy. So what do you work towards in your free time? Free time. I absolutely love going outside and spending time with my kids and just trying to relax and unwind. It's harder and harder, I feel like, as I get older, <laughs> to to actually unwind and de-stress. And so I feel like that's one of the things I, I love doing is going out into nature. All right. What are you not very good at? 
Uh, not very good at. I am a perfectionist, and I am not as patient <laughs> as I should be. What were you like in high school? I was a bit of a nerd, but I had high aspirations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You could interview it, and these are still easy. I'll get some better ones. If you could interview anyone from your for that's either living or dead, uh, who would that be? Hmm. Oh my. Winston Churchill uh, would be one. That's a good one, actually. Nicely done. That could be mine Abe. too. <laughs> what is the last gift you gave somebody? Last gift. It was a gift to my wife. And it was a little necklace with all the names of our children with their birthstones. And it also included, we had a miscarriage a year ago, and it oh, included that head. baby. It meant the world to her. It really did. And uh, so, yeah, that was the last gift I gave to my wife. Sorry to hear about that, but great That's gift. Right. Um, what's the last thing you watched on TV, and why did you choose to watch it? Uh, it was not The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> let's see. Um, the last thing I watched was The Twilight Zone, the new remake, the 2019 remake of The Twilight Zone. Uh, I feel like it could have been so much better. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed. It's not as scary as I would have liked. I, I had higher aspirations for it. The show's just getting started, and maybe it'll be better in the future. So I'm still crossing my fingers. All right, got it. On a scale from 1 to 10, how weird are you? Uh, I think I used to be much more weird. Uh, today, I'm, I'm less weird. The, the closer I get to 40, I'm, I'm not as weird as I, I would like. So, yeah. Oh, don't give me so what much. What is that? Don't give that was the market ended. So, <laughs> so answer that again. On a scale of 1 to 10, how weird are you? I would say maybe, uh, maybe I'm a 6. Yeah, don't let yourself off easy. You're probably more like an eight or a nine. I, I so. All right, tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Uh, it's political on me. Never, 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 never. Um, something that's true that nobody agrees with me on. <laughs> you should have prepped me before this. No, um, that's the beauty of it. Oh, my gosh. Daniel Day-Lewis is one of the greatest actors of all time. I don't agree with you. All right, let's move. <laughs> What's your go-to order at your favorite restaurant? Oh, Buffalo Wild Wings. I cannot control myself. If you get me in front of some wings, I just lose all sense. Nice. Who would win between Spider-Man and Batman? I would have to say Batman. Yeah, Christian Bale, Batman. Nobody can beat the Dark Knight. And even if you think you've killed him, he'll come back. It's uh, like Marvel now. Uh, so you, st you we quit this interview. You win a, a $10 million. What do you do with it? Uh, I always used to tell people that if I won a lot of money, I would keep working. I would not quit my job. Uh, that was so... like 15 years ago, though, now. <laughs> That's now true. you quit. <laughs> I used um, to tell people that, too. So would that not be true, Al? Would you keep working now if you won $10 million? Yes, I'd, I'd keep working. I'd probably keep yeah. working. What else am I going to do? I would definitely keep working. And last question. I noticed in your, in your history, I mean, you went to school at the seminary, right? Yes. All right, so here's my question. If, if you're at the pearly gates, what's the first thing that God says to you? 
I hope it's well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, but what do you think it's going to be? Uh, de- <laughs> depart from me into everlasting fire. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'll, I always used to think when I get to, to that point, I'll be shown a Blu-ray disc of my entire life. And I can skip from chapter to chapter, but we are all required to watch that disc from beginning to end. That's one of the things I always keep in the back of my head. I think I want to uh, live each moment of life as though one day there, there might be accountability and that I need to remember that each moment's precious and that I can't, I can't, you know, in life you can't rewind and do it again. Life's linear and it keeps going forward. And you can't, there's no redos, there's no retakes. Reflecting on that's important because you realize, I only got one shot at this. I got to make it good. Hey, I think that is definitely where we'll end with. So those were crazy questions. That's my Barbara Walters question <laughs> that I tried just on you. Maybe I'll keep the ones that are, that are still good, but a little bit crazy. Some of the people are listening out there going, what the hell? What is, in what, the what world? <laughs> I'm, I'm asking that myself. I know. Now you know what I deal with on a regular basis. No, thank you, Michael, for being here. I appreciate it. You gave us a lot of information around uh, media and communication and how to engage, how to align teams. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll put your information uh, in the show notes. So if people have questions, they can contact you, which is probably most likely through LinkedIn or otherwise. So thank you so much. Thanks so much, Al. It's been a pleasure. And listeners, until next time, uh, thank you so much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out.